You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Give them the full intro. Uh, we welcome in hey. Wilson Moore from the Omaha World Herald. Proud Mizzou Tiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome. Uh, and uh, welcome to uh, your debut uh, with us here on 1620 The Zone. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. All right, let's uh, talk about Mizzou. How was the experience down in Columbia? <laughs> oh, it was great. Great. W- wouldn't trade it for anything. All right, how come Mizzou, and I thought Dennis Gates was going to break through last year, how come Mizzou basketball is such in a malaise? Yeah, you know, I think part of it is they kind of overachieved a year ago. Um, I think they got some uh, contributions they weren't expecting. You know, they really... Uh, they hit the lottery in the portal a couple times with that team, with getting uh, veteran guys who are only going to be there for, for about a year. That was part of it. And uh, Kobe Brown, who is now uh, either with Los Angeles Clippers or playing in the G League, I don't think anyone was expecting him to turn to the superstar he did. So I think part of it is last year just overachieving, and then they couldn't do the same thing this year. You know, they didn't they didn't strike gold in the portal the way they did a year ago. So it's kind of a transitional season. They've got a good recruiting class coming in uh, each of the next two years. So I think, uh, I think if you're looking at Mizzou, you got to look at it as more of a long-term process. But I think a year ago kind of raised everyone's expectations to a level that maybe they shouldn't have been for only year two of the Dennis Gates era. Now the ultimate uh, Mizzou test here for you, if Nebraska does make it to Omaha, for the NCAA tournament and likely Kansas is here too. Will you write some um, some slants <laughs> against Kansas as well as your write up against Nebraska? <laughs> oh, you know, I think uh, I, I think for uh, I think for a couple of days I could uh, put it behind me. You okay. know, um, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I uh, got got to compartmentalize. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's your professional. The that's youngins good. don't have the same hate as the. Olds did that, when that, I was that's in school. True, um, Mizzou never really played Kansas. When yeah, I, was there. I guess that's a good point. Hey, despite the uh, the the race to stay in the tournament and the lockup of berth, what is with six games to go, Wilson? The most interesting part of this team. What's the most interesting story surrounding Nebraska basketball right now? Well, I think it's hard to talk about this team without mentioning the weird dichotomy of how good it is at Pinnacle Bank Arena versus how bad it is on the road. You know, they're, um, I think, uh, 16-1, and 17-1 at home. Uh, in Big Ten play, they're 0-7 oh, um, on, the, on the road. It's just one of those things that doesn't, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, you think about the uh, scene from Hoosiers, you know, basket's still 10 feet high wherever they are. This is a team that is just, not the same away from home. And looking at those last six games, that's what's going to determine um, whether or not they can, they're able to stay in the, uh, stay in the NCAA tournament field, whether they're able to get off the bubble and not be sweating out um, what's going to happen on selection Sunday. You know, it's really hard, maybe impossible to uh, make the field by going 0 and 10 
on the road, they've got three more chances at that, and that'll go a long way in determining how uh, what whether the, whether they're playing uh, that first weekend of the tournament or not. Uh, you've broken this down. What can Nebraska get in the NCAA tournament without winning a game on the road? And if you say no, is it just one? Is it two? What's the math? You you think based on history? Based on history, um, I would say no, just because in the 68 uh, team field era, no one's done that. Now, there are, that is, it does create an interesting setup because most teams that didn't win a game on the road were not as good as Nebraska at home. You know, generally, if you're going 0 and 10 on the road, you're not going 10 and 0, 9 and 1. At home, mm-hmm. at home. So I think there would be a path for for Nebraska if they go, you know, in the uh, um, extreme scenario of ten and zero at home, zero and ten on the road. It would probably take a win or two in Minneapolis in the Big Ten tournament as as well. I think there's a path, but just based on recent history, that's definitely not a road Nebraska wants to go down. I think it would be unlikely, just based on. Uh, the totality of everything, what we have seen, uh, the committee value over the past 13 years. You know, Wilson, this team has been kind of fighting. It just dinged up a little bit, as I'm sure a lot of college basketball teams are right now. But when you think of the the timing of this week off, getting ready for that final stretch run up to the Big Ten tournament, what do you anticipate to see tomorrow with this group and you know how that week has maybe impacted them? You know, I think the week came at a really good time. Um, I think anyone uh, we spoke to, you know, in the days leading up or after the Michigan games that, you know, whether that be Fred Hoiberg or uh, Josiah Alec, whoever said, yeah, this is, a, this is a banged up team as every team is at this point. You know, no one, no college basketball team is completely healthy in mid-February. So I think it came at a good, at a good time. I think... Um, They'll be refreshed as far as, you know, the more nuts and bolts of, of what we're going to see. I think uh, we see more of the bigger lineup that uh, mm-hmm. started the game at Northwestern and against Michigan, where Jamarcus Lawrence comes off the bench, Bryce Williams plays point guard, and Josiah Alec, Jawan Gary, and Rink Master all on the floor together. That worked to kind of mixed results against Northwestern. I think Fred Hoiberg was happy with the way um, – with the energy that group brought against Michigan, I think we see it again. Uh, Wilson Moore from the Omaha World Herald joining us. Nebraska takes on Penn State tomorrow at 11 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, what's the most uncomfortable part of this matchup against a team that at times can play a really disjointed brand of physical basketball? What, what in your opinion, is like the one part that you would go, eh, Penn State doesn't have a winning record, but... Um... Yeah, uh, Penn State doesn't have a winning record, but they've been a lot better in the last you know month or two than they were at the be- at the beginning of the season. And I think the big matchup that favors Penn State and that Nebraska is going to need to keep under control to stay competitive will be turnovers. Uh, Penn State is a team that gets after it. It's a team that will turn turn over its opponents. It likes to take advantage of that. Nebraska has had some issues with that. Um, Fred Hoiberg has said it until um, he said all, all year. The Nebraska's keys to winning are avoiding turnovers and getting rebounds. And when they do both of those things, they they generally win 
when they do neither, they generally lose. And Penn State is a team that really excels at forcing you to turn turn the ball over. And I think to win against the kind of frisky, you know, underdog uh, Penn State team, Nebraska has to avoid that. And not necessarily just for tomorrow's game, but here in the next week for Nebraska to have success. If I were to tell you to pick between the two on their offensive presence, who is more important to get out to a quicker start? Is it Rink Mass or is it Casey Tominaga? Um, I would say it's Rink Mast because I think um, I think he's a guy who Nebraska really needs to be their rock. Uh, Casey, you know what you're getting. This is his third year with the program. Uh, you know, you know that when he steps into the gym, there will be days he just he's not completely on. There will be days he is on fire. I think that that's his mo, and Nebraska has learned to accept that in the same way they'll accept you know him occasionally pulling up and missing a three from the logo because they know he can he can hit those it, it, you know it, there are the real ebbs and flows in Tomanaga's game mast um is mast needs to be consistent you know he's the guy they brought in for consistency you know he's a veteran guy it's his 50, fifth year of college basketball um the presence he provides is just necessary every game, especially in a game that Tomanaga isn't on. If, you know, mm-hmm. Tomanaga and C.J. Wilcher aren't ma- making three-pointers. Uh, Mast has to be the guy, um, along with Alec and Gary, kind of setting the tone down low, uh, banging bodies, get, uh, getting rebounds, and um, just doing everything under the basket. What's your thoughts on the, – they changed the lineup a couple of games ago. What's your thoughts on the current lineup? Yeah, I think it um, – I think it makes sense for what, what they're trying to do. Uh, Bryce Williams entered the season having never really played uh, point guard. He's done a lot of that this year um, to the point that I think he's uh, comfortable being the starting point guard, running th- things with that lineup. I think it gives him a lot more physicality. Um, and this is a team that's gotten beaten under the board, that's given up a lot of rebounds th- this season, and that uh, does um, that lineup at least trust. Uh, tries to address it. Um, you get three, you know, in theory, quality rebounders out there with uh, Gary, Al- Alec, and Mast. And um, it moves Jamarcus Lawrence to coming off the bench, yeah. which is uh, um, an area he's seemed a little more comfortable in, in the past two games. He told Ho- Hoiberg um, he liked coming off the bench. He liked the kind of the perspective it gave him. So I think, um, you know, they've only done it twice. They're one and one in, the, mm-hmm. in the, those games. But um, I think it's been beneficial. You mentioned Jamarcus Lawrence and kind of looking at the bench in a different view now too, but Sam Hoiberg still you know, providing a pretty good spark off the bench. When you look at his role, is is that one that you continue to, to feel like it evolves or from basically what we've seen from Sam Hoiberg, is that just kind of what you expect right now, especially when it comes to the, the offensive production? Uh, for Hoiberg? Yeah, for Sam Hoiberg, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's um, I think he's the kind of ideal sort of a guy com- coming off the bench, you know, he's, um, uh, he's not, you know, this, he's not a perfectly well-rounded player, but he has a skill set and he is good at providing those skill sets. When he's got an open three, he not, he knocks it down. He's a good perimeter, uh, perimeter defender. He's only six one. So you can't put him on like a six, seven guy. I'll have trouble with that. But, you know, like we saw him uh, play real well against Tyson Walker when Michigan state was, 
uh, was in town and he brings energy and that that's big. You know, every team has those days where uh, you're flat. Um, and Sam Hoiberg is a guy who kind of sparks that. I think Ohio state is, is a good example of that. He came off the bench and made two or three big, uh, big hustle plays and kind of got things going. So I think he's a, he's a role player. He understands his role. And I think, um, that's a good skill set coming off the bench. What is, uh, and you know, this is a, a roster that gives you some options. Just talking about the starting lineup, and you know, he played well against Michigan. Uh, you alluded to it. Uh, the matchup was really good for Josiah Alec Wilson. A a realistic expectation night after night in the final six games of the regular season for Josiah Alec would be what? I think it would be getting rebounds, providing energy, playing defense would be the big things. You know, scoring is a bit more matchup based. Michigan, um, Iowa, even though Nebraska did not play well as as a team, I think he led the team team in scoring. Um, But he he was he came in uh, he came to Nebraska for his last season of college to be a leader to be um, get someone who brought some grit and some muscle. And I think those are the things, you know, putting aside scoring, what he needs to provide on nightly basis. Hey, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll talk down the road. Uh, Enjoy tomorrow uh, morning at uh, PBA with uh, Penn state. Enjoy your work and uh, welcome to Nebraska. Thanks. Appreciate you guys having me. That's uh, Wilson Moore covers uh, Nebraska. He's uh, he'd been just didn't pop up yesterday. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Actually met Wilson back uh, when they gave him a little football uh, duty back in uh, September. So Nebraska has Penn State tomorrow. I've I've, I've done. The, everybody wants to do the math. Okay, Nebraska needs to look like an NCAA team. Yep, that's and they're what in a situation is. like you, you, you're watching games now. Northwestern didn't get knocked out of the tournament last night, but that was not the most ideal loss. No. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, Rutgers. Rutgers has won four in a row, and Steve Peichel is all of a sudden woken up, and they're playing great defense. I mean. Just like Nebraska is going to have against Penn State, those teams are a pain in the butt to play mm-hmm. because they're unorthodox, they're physical, they they complain about every single call. You would think that Lisa Bluter was coaching. <laughs> okay. Well, remember Jeremiah so, Williams is back. He wasn't uh, playing when Nebraska so, played them on the road too. But but it's just they're they're a tough team to play, not because of the talent they have, just because of the way that they play. So I think the game will be very disjointed. It's an early start, you know. What is the crowd going to be like? Makes me kind of nervous. But this is where Nebraska, you need to block all that out. If you're an NCAA tournament team, mm-hmm. you take care of business. Yeah. I don't care if you win by two, you win by 15, whatever. Just you got to win. win. Because from here on out, every time that Nebraska loses, that's a bad loss. Yep. That's a, uh-oh, they're on the bubble or they're on the wrong side of the yep. bubble. You have to live with that. This program hasn't had to deal with that for a long time, where every game means that. That if you lose, and even if it's like, oh, man, we went to Assembly Hall and IU hit a bucket at the buzzer, eh, that's a bad loss because look at the net ranking of Indiana, which will be a road game coming up. Nebraska's got three left on the road. they got to win two. I think if they go four and two, they're in a good spot, but two of those got to be on the road. Agreed, totally agreed. Um, Rutgers-Minnesota are the two most difficult games, in my opinion, remaining. Yeah, Minnesota last night impressed the heck out of me. Not just with my wallet, but also how I saw them play. <laughs> they covered. You get yeah. They're twenty one and three cover. against the spread this year. Ooh, yeah, that's Suck a up. nugget. I don't, I don't, no, you guys aren't really big gamblers, but if you're into that, they're twenty one and three against the spread. Last night, Dawson Garcia was a dude. 
they they battled with Purdue. They came out of the locker room and they were they were going at Purdue in West Lafayette, and mm-hmm. then Edie kind of took over and you know Purdue won, but it wasn't like they blew them out. Right. Minnesota's played so much better. That game in a couple of Sundays is going to be a difficult game. But I got Rutgers, Minnesota, the most the two most difficult. But I think if they go four and two and two of those are on the road, even if you know you go, oh, that's a bad loss. You just said that Jabroni guy. <laughs> I think you're in a good spot. Yeah, Rutgers uh, with Williams back, they've they've been a lot better too. But this is where I'd say if you and you bring up Minnesota, and I think that's a great example. If you're able to, let's say you win tomorrow, <laughs> get that first victory, that Big Ten road victory at Indiana. If you were to lose to Minnesota at home, but then you're able to, again, follow it up with a win at Ohio State, followed up with a win at Michigan, and I know Rutgers is is in between those games too. Basically what I'm getting at is if somehow you're able to get all three road games, and I know that's a big ask because they haven't done one of them, that to me also kind of gives you a little bit of leeway when it comes to maybe dropping one at home because you've already been, you've established that. You've been very good at home. The one thing that's weighing down this resume right now for Nebraska, or as you mentioned, every loss would be a bad loss. But the one thing that they're missing more than anything is having at least some conference road victories. If you can get those in this stretch there, that I think sort of completes Nebraska's resume to a point that you feel a lot better about them going into Minneapolis for the Big Ten tournament. So if I say 4-2, and two, they're 21-10, and 10, but I am not overlooking Minneapolis. You can't go, if you want to be considered an NCAA tournament team, you can't go to Minneapolis and go one in the queue. I agree. you got to do some things. You win a game in Minneapolis, if that gets you to 22, then you're probably in the tournament, which means then you're playing on Friday because I don't think Nebraska's, yeah. Nebraska's not going to get in the top four. Um, but they'll play on Thursday. Mm-hmm. If you get to Friday, you're in the tournament. Okay, yep. so because you because you went into the Big Ten tournament probably as a a five or a six seed. Right. Go four and two, four and two. You're in the tournament, but you got to win on the road. And I think I think you, I think you need at least two two road wins to feel yeah, that's what good. But if you if you can get three, then I think and I know that's all they have left on the road. If but you still. can get three. I think you allow yourself, even if you were to slip at home, mm-hmm. that you, you have that to fall back on. You guys make me nervous for tomorrow, and that I feel like this is how it's going to uh, be up until Selection Sunday. No, I mean, Sunday. hey, they're, they're, they're a team with flaws. They're going to play tight games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not... Uh, when, I say, it. when I say they're an NCAA tournament team, which I have said they're in the tournament, the only way they're, they could play themselves out, I'm not putting them... I mean, when I say they're a 10 or 11 seed, you know on, they're on the back end of the 68 teams in college right. basketball. Yeah. Right. Um, they need to it's just themselves. that way. They're 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 a team that has flaws. That at home they find a way. On the road they need to find energy and to hold on to the damn basketball. And they might find success. At Rutgers, get Rutgers Minnesota home games. Do not overlook those. Yep. Uh, and don't overlook to, tomorrow. That's an 11 a.m. Uh, tip off again. Creighton and Butler play at 11:30 uh, against uh, Bully Bowl, the Butler Bulldogs. And then you get a break and you can watch. And the Bulldog will be there. Night. He was dressed up the other night uh, when they were playing Marquette. That's a great mascot. Yes. It is. That's it's a mascot w- that drives. One mm-hmm. of the best names, too. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating. You're not going to want to go toe-to-toe with Bully. It's better it than Ugga. It's like a happy Bulldog. Better than Ugga. What Bulldog is not happy? Yeah. Bulldogs are great. Yeah. Bull- Bulldogs, Bulldogs are misunderstood. Great. Why are they misunderstood? Because everybody thinks like, ah, they're, they're high maintenance and stuff. You know, well, they you probably to, are. You have, to, you have to clean the face a little bit. Yeah, you have to clean the ruffles. The, the snout. Like a human. But my gosh, they're just, yeah. It makes you even, I think. Then why didn't you get one? 
they're high maintenance, Gary. <laughs> we should get one for the zone. <laughs> we like a bigger dog. We like a, we like our dog at least 50 pounds plus. Size king. If I had a 50-pound bulldog, actually, that would be a lot of fun. The size matters? Size does matter, Gary. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, Matt Verzal, who has shrunk. He's going to join us in the next hour on Mornings with Sharp and Handland, 1620 The Zone. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.